All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Anglers Happy Hour podcast. We are coming at you from a early morning in the desert here, so don't mind us if we all sound a little bit stuffy we're, and puffy-eyed. We're just, just waking up, but we're excited to be talking to you all and um, excited that the fall season is basically here. You know, we're officially in the fall. Fishing is seems to be improving in a lot of the country, and things are going well. Let's uh we got a lot to talk about today. We've got quite a wide variety of topics, but as usual, we'll go around the table and see what's going on with the guys. And uh Rob, we'll start with you today, man. What's going on, man? Of course you're gonna start with me. I'm all stuffed up. It's perfect. <laughs> um well, I just got done with my elk hunt. Um, so today's Friday. So yesterday was the last official day of the hunt. Um I killed last week, so obviously my hunt was over early. Um and then you just hid from your wife for the rest of the six days? No, I actually came home. And nice. so nice. my wife put a ton of pressure on me prior to this hunt because she orders a deep freeze. Oh. So in the garage as I leave is an empty deep freeze. So <laughs> <laughs> I had to kill a bull. So but nice. so you're fortunate. a good man. I figured you could have just hid out there for another six days and be like, it's tough, man. <laughs> yeah. We know no. where Nick's head's at, dude. That's, that's yeah, the exactly. first thing you that's think hilarious. of. It's great, dude. <laughs> but no it was a great hunt we had a we had a really good group of guys and uh just had fun and it's it's amazing how um i know i've mentioned it before on the podcast and this is a fishing podcast not a hunting podcast but it's um these tags are so special because we don't get them very often uh the last tag i had was 10 years ago um so it's there's a lot of pressure dude it's very similar to like a uh a high level bass tournament because everybody out there realizes how special these tags are um, for the most part. And so it's, you know, you're competing with, with other guys just like you would in a bass tournament. So it's kind of interesting. There's um, there was a couple of times where tempers got flared and, you know, <laughs> People did crazy stuff. It just sucks that it's that way, but it is. In your camp, you're saying, right? Not like, in camp at all. No. Oh, really? I'm just With saying, other like, hunters? The, yeah, I was, um, like, in the morning, we would call elk, try to call them in. Um, and in the evenings, I would sit water. And one evening, I'm sitting water, and, like, you know, perfect timing for the elk to come in is, say, 5.30 till dark, and dark was, I don't know, 6.37, somewhere in that range, and um, I'm sitting there, and I hear a bull bugle behind me, and all of a sudden, I hear the motor of a UTV <laughs> coming down a road that's closed, mm. and <laughs> these guys come all the way to the tank on a closed road, full camo in a freaking Polaris Ranger, uh, <laughs> turn around and I'm full blown losing my mind silently. Right. Like flinging my fingers out the freaking <laughs> line. I was just going crazy. I was so mad. And the worst part is, is like for the next hour, I sat there mad at myself for how I reacted because it was childish and stupid, but still <laughs> frustrating. So anyhow, that stuff goes on and it's, it's so unfortunate, but I mean, that's how I think Arizona is going through some growing pains with, the fact that we have huge numbers of people moving here and our outdoors is, I mean, it goes on at the lake and I'm not saying everyone else is at fault. I'm as much at fault as everyone else. Like my reaction was terrible, but, um, so I <laughs> need to work see on you or hear you though, bro. Like, oh, of course they did. Okay. And then they drove by camp the next day and I, I let them have it again, dude. Like just 
so stupid. Like, but that's, I don't know. <laughs> Pretty frustrating. I had another incident. Um, I won't even talk about it because these guys made an honest mistake. I Our listeners. Oh. Uh, I doubt their listeners, but they made an honest mistake. They, I talked to them afterwards, um, which again, I was heated and I was wrong there. And then we became friends, which was cool because they, they're legitimately doing the, you know, out there doing everything right and just made a mistake. So, but enough of the negative stuff, everything else was very positive. Um, shot my bullet 32 yards. Uh, he literally flipped over on his back, stood back up and I shot him again. Whoa. And he, and he went like 30 yards. Um, That's like, intense. It was very intense, but the ultimate like archery kill, like generally when you're bow hunting, you end up having to track them you know, for a hundred yards, 200 yards, whatever. Um, I literally walked up to my bull after I shot him. So Sweet, man. it's That's pretty cool. cool. Makes you feel good. Right. Like I, uh, I hadn't shot in almost 10 years and I bought a bow last year, a new bow and had terrible target panic and was really freaking out, had some shoulder issues and, um, just worked through that. I, we've got a great archer shop here. I worked with those guys and, they got me dialed in. I shot pretty much every day. Uh, the only time I didn't shoot was when I was in Minnesota. I, I brought my bow and didn't shoot for five weeks. But I think that little layoff was good because I came back and started shooting again every day. And uh, in in my opinion, that's what the the elk uh, or a wild game deserves is that level of commitment to making a clean shot. Not that I'm trying to act like I'm better than anyone, but I just that, I feel like that's they deserve that, right? So, yep. Yep. A, that's a good, quick, clean harvest. So anyhow, that's, uh, pretty much enough of that. I, it was, uh, it was, it was awesome. Can't wait to do it again. So cool, man. Yeah. It sounds like it all came together just at the right yeah. time. And, uh, yeah, you it really did, did. did your jobs, uh, in camp too, man, just being prepared and sounds great. Yep. So enough the hunting, let's get back to fishing guys. Yeah, right on. You know, I definitely. So, yeah, I mentioned you or Nick, you mentioned that second group of guys that pissed him off for listeners. I think the first group of guys are more like <laughs> our type of people, dude. The ones that roll up in the ATV, they're the ones that are listening, I think. <laughs> Those are our boys. Yeah. yeah. Odds are pretty slim, I think, but hopefully they are. Hopefully they reach out and I can talk to them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Is there a word that encompasses the people of that group? Because it made me think of my rant about the guy standing up in the 14 foot v-hole drifting down the bank towards everyone at woods canyon lake we need to coin a term for people that make you angry that you think you're smarter than josh is nodding with his eyebrows up like he already knows the term for this is there one that I, we could like dub or like because you know what i mean like it, it exists in every hobby group <laughs> i know it too but it'll offend a bunch of our listeners so i won't say it does it start with a g <laughs> starts with a c and it's a state <laughs> name <laughs> oh yeah okay <laughs> Yeah, so, I, I think I don't want to say I think we either, need to dude. find I well yeah and I, that was a bad question to ask you guys cuz then you're going to look like the mean ones but we should find like a like an inside joke term that seems really like garden variety and non-offensive unless you're in the know on it. So that'll no, be a I, homework assignment for everyone. I called those guys the worst thing possible. I called them <laughs> road hunters. Oh. So, nice. yeah. Yeah. Dang, and they're probably not even fancy enough to have a Yeti to prop their rifle up again. So they're probably using like a, a knockoff Yeti. No rifle. Fetty. It's all it's all archery. Like I don't know how yeah. you I don't know how you ever imagine driving up on an elk with an ATV and jumping out and shooting them with a bow. I just it blows my <laughs> mind. 
Dude, I'm pretty sure I saw that on a meat eater, meat eater episode a few seasons back. Dude, that's how Ranella does it. Right. He just mm-hmm. drives it up to his cabin in southeastern Alaska and then just hops out and shoots, dude. It's pretty straightforward. So. Don't think so. This would be uh, a good one, though, Like, and it'd be a great T-shirt. But, yeah, if any of the listeners have a good term for this, again, you know, I'm scared to start throwing terms out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll let the listeners do that. If you guys have some terms for this, please let us know, and uh, Nick will read them on the on the. Uh, yeah, right. I've got I've got nothing to lose. The worst part about this whole conversation, it's like making it look like my entire elk hunt was this, and it wasn't. And I and I don't ah. like. There's a lot of cases, dude, where I'm in the wrong, and I need to just keep my mouth shut. So I'd like to see. It's been so long, I guess, since I've hung out with you in person, Rob, and even longer since I've seen Spicy Rob Vanderkoy. I, I want a, a good session of Spicy Rob Van. I want like the pepper jack cheese version of you, bro. Like I want that Spicy Rob, dude. I'm telling you, like I tell everyone this that that <laughs> like it's a good thing I've guided over the last what twelve or thirteen years because when I guide, I keep. I keep all that stuff in and I do not let my, I don't yeah, like one of those mind. pressure balls where you can just squeeze it. Like inside yes. your pocket when you're getting yes. really angry, you just hear like a lot of squeezing sounds. <laughs> yeah. And I need to, I need to take that uh, when I'm out by myself also and consider keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> I love it. That's I love funny. it. It would have been crazy yeah. to see, but overall, yeah, we'll, we'll focus on the positives. Great hunt. Good job, Rob. Um, Nick, let's see what's going on with you, man. Yeah, I don't. I didn't kill anything thirty yards away with a bow and arrow. I, I uh, obviously, of course, I didn't fish. It's not like I'm a host on a fishing podcast. So let's just get that right out out of the way. Um, you know, it was it was a pretty garden variety twelve or fourteen days since we all spoke last. Uh, um, had my kids solo. My wife went down to Mexico. We're finishing up some stuff down there. We got a little house that we built, and uh, now I'll have like base camp for operations so that i can go northwest to bass fish and i can go due west to uh saltwater fish so pretty excited about that Crazy. is it furnished how far south is that it's it's super dupe well it's the central mexico which i was gonna say super duper south but i guess it's only halfway down the the con the country but uh it feels pretty south for us nice is is it in that area? yeah asking questions at the same time sorry we're sorry. No, it's go ahead, Josh. <laughs> yeah, Rob's just, curious about the deer. <laughs> I just breed so much curiosity. I get this all the time everywhere uh-huh. I go. Everyone's just tripping over themselves to talk to me. It's such a such a big deal. But you know, probably five hundred years ago there were a few deer wandering through the hillsides there. But uh, I think those have pretty much long since um been consumed at this point. They're street tacos now. And that's exactly right. Well, they yeah, were two hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh you know, I don't know. I, I've wondered that same thing. I know that uh, there's actually a lot of bass sprinkled out. It's kind of like how the United States are. There's reservoirs, but they're not like big grand ones. There's just earthen dams on their drainages. And those those dang bass, man, they're pretty they're pretty spry and able to survive. And uh, so I'm excited to do that, actually. There's two little reservoirs about 15 to 30 minutes away from that house. And uh, it'll be fun to, to go check them out. They get pretty low in the time of year where they don't have a lot of rain so i don't think there's the capacity for big things to grow but there's no doubt there's there's fish and uh so it'd be fun to do some poking around there and ultimately you know it's just a, it's a hop skip and a jump away from my two places on earth to fish which is that bass lake and then the uh, rooster fishing spot so the future is bright 
Do you think you'd put a boat down there at some point eventually? Oh, I'd love to, man. And that little aluminum that I've been tinkering on for the last whatever couple weeks, it would be like the perfect one. You know, yeah. it's just growing the courage to haul it all the way down there. But with a boat, man, like you could, because there's, so there's one, I don't know if you've ever heard of Lake Chapala, but that oh. one is like three and a half hours away and it's awesome. It's massive. Um, and, uh, it's actually like, so it's a huge body of water. I don't know how many acre feet, but large, and uh, it's actually completely shallow and it's just a Thule paradise. It's kind of like the lower Colorado river, um, but massive. And, uh, the, there's actually a lot of com competitive bass fishing that goes on in Mexico. They have their own little tournament circuits and stuff. Like yep. it's a, it's a whole thing. And, uh, that's like one of their main big tournament lakes. And so if you had that? a boat. Yeah, if you had a boat, that's like three hours from my house, which that's no thing, right? I mean, that's like a get up early and day trip it kind of scenario. So as time goes on, I uh, I would love to have some something set up like that. I still plan on retiring there, man. Once I get my my last little seed out of the nest, uh, I'm gonna go by Nicolas. I'm gonna have a big mustache. I'm not gonna have a mailing address anymore. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go like Jimmy Buffett style, but alive. I'm gonna like disappear into the fray. <laughs> margaritaville r.i.p by the way we haven't addressed that did he die before or after our last episode i probably before but yeah we we don't talk about him too much on the show so we he never came up last episode dude but yeah yeah this one's r.i.p buffett yep that's right but yeah other than that man i've been coaching a little youth soccer that's been a pretty fun adventure i have zero experience coaching any sports and even less experience with anything related to soccer so it's been a pretty fun deep dive into the world of overly competitive uh, parents of nine-year-olds that uh, um, luckily the kids on my team, their parents are super cool and supportive. But uh, the first game, we, of course, drew the coach who's like out on the field celebrating with his players when they're scoring goals. <laughs> it's just, just like too much. Uh, it's so funny, dude. And the like 11-year-old official, we only get one ref and the 11-year-old official is just out there like with her little whistle like toot tooting trying to get him to go back on the sidelines so it's uh it's been it's been good what a guy he's listening to man shout out to him yeah well when we learn our new word <laughs> when we knew our learned new word to call people that irritate us and know nothing he can be my version of this week's we could just dedicate like a whole sponsored part of the program this is where we'd cue the ads right this episode is brought to you by men's health multivitamins and then we could be like the jackass of the week and then we could it just would, rant it for would like really 20 be minutes. fun and probably be the best part of the show honestly <laughs> we'll leave you out of it, it josh really you have a lot at stake but rob and i don't have anything oh dude I, just... I i went nuts on the paddle borders last week you know oh that's true yeah, it's like yeah. peter griffith what grinds my gears you know that's that's where we're at with this but yeah. Anyways, we could call it that, but that's that's already being done. There's a that hockey podcast I like, Spin Chicklets. They have a grind my gears segment already, <laughs> dude. It'll be just like the most random thing stuff stuff at the airport that pisses them off. It, it could be whatever, but yeah, we definitely need our own little version of that, an outdoor version. It'd be fun. Yeah, maybe it'll be like the stand up paddle borders or the yeah. That's too that's too specific though. So we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Yeah, the Flatlander of the week. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, right. i'll leave i'll leave my little part of it with this um you guys probably knew this but it was semi-new to me that there's a uh, new meat eater episodes available on youtube and there's only like five of them i think they're releasing one every couple weeks but uh, if you haven't checked that out go watch them they're they're good they're pretty interesting there's one where he's a uh, spearfishing 
in the Gulf of Mexico. They go out of Louisiana, and I won't spoil it for you, but it's a really entertaining episode. So go watch that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Right on. Um, we will do that for sure. Moving forward on the on the fishing stuff, you know, uh, I've actually had a fairly busy week. Two weeks fishing. I've man, I've been on the water. I don't know, three or four days a week. A little bit of guiding, um, a little bit of fun fishing, a little bit of tournament fishing, a little bit of scouting. So, um, you know, there's and, and I've, I've kind of watched it's 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 interesting. I've kind of watched the fishing go from summer pattern or late summer pattern kind of in the transition to really just this past couple of days. The fall bite is like really starting to open up, which is shocking because it's still been really hot here, you know, too hot. 10 degrees above normal, five degrees above normal, but the nights are getting into the, into the sixties. And that's all you need. Like I've, I've watched that water temp drop from the eighties. Now it's into the seventies and uh, it's, it's been a tough couple of weeks of fishing. Uh, a couple of the highlights. I went and filmed an episode with Johnny Johnson the other day. Um, I went out with a baseball player last week from the diamondbacks, Jace Peterson, who was a super cool dude um, and a hardcore fisherman. Like, um, you know, you never, there's a lot of folks that, um, you know, say they're, they're serious fishermen and then you get on the lake and you find out if they are or not. And he legitimately is, he's from, where's like, he, where's he from? Yeah. You were just uh, about lake, to say that Lake Charles, Louisiana. And, gotcha. um, that's dude, if you're from there, you fish and hunt, right? Like yep. you kill stuff and uh, <laughs> he does like, he's super, super legit, uh, both on the hunting and fishing side, but stud fishermen. You know, and he told me before we went out, he's like, hey, man, I don't care. I told him, I was like, yeah, dude, it's kind of getting into that transitional time of year. Numbers haven't been great. Size is good. But he's like, dude, I don't care if we don't catch a fish. It'll be cool to to get some new scenery. And hopefully he, uh, you know, is with the Diamondbacks for a little while here. He's on a two-year contract. But, um, you know, he got shipped over from the A's kind of late in the season as a late season addition. And uh, hopefully he'll, he'll be in town next year. Um, and we get to go again a couple more times, but he ended up catching uh, one close to five pounds. Uh, we caught a few more fish. I mean, and that's kind of at Saguaro, we've been getting that four to eight bites, four to eight bites a day. So it's been, it's been challenging to get the numbers, but the size is good. The cool thing on, you know, a couple, some of our lakes around Phoenix is like, you know, any, any fish you catch has the chance to be a giant. And if you go out there and catch five bass, the odds are really high that you're catching at least one five pounder. And that's kind of how it's been. I had another day, we caught four and three of them were five pounders. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't always expect that, but dude, four, three out of four fish being five pounders is, is pretty phenomenal for a, uh, for an average size on a day. Like I, you don't see that anywhere really that you fish around the country it's it's pretty pretty impressive um imagine how many five pounders have been pumped out of saguaro in the last 12 months like it's insane that, it how is. that lake is fished yeah that's the truth it'd be so it'd be so interesting to to know the average size and, and i'm sure game and fish could give you a guess off of shocking results and stuff but dude that's that's the best you're gonna do but realistically and rob's shaking his head no like realistically like there's i i don't know it i don't think you're gonna get the true data i'd love to know the true data though How, what would be the best way to figure that out 
Well, everyone would have to be honest, but that's like, that's not going <laughs> to yeah. happen. Real surveys, right? Real, yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll never know. I, yeah. Well, you can pretty much tell the how that lake is fishing with when you look at Facebook and Instagram. You can tell it's <laughs> definitely slowed down a little bit. Yeah, but you're totally right. That's not that's the modern out there. It's kind of interesting because most most lakes, you know, we got out of even our lakes in Arizona here. You've got some where they really pick up in the fall, and like we, I'm talking about the excitement of fall fishing because they are getting better. But then you've got some that just continually deteriorate uh, all fall and winter long. And really, to me, those are the ones that have the the heavy Florida strain population of bass. Whereas the ones with the northern strains, they seem to bite a little bit better as it gets colder. But yeah, we're we've got a couple of our our lakes where we're just kind of closing that book right now and a couple of them that we're just opening the book right now. Um like Roosevelt, Pleasant, Bartlett. Um, the Colorado River Lakes fish pretty good in the uh, fall as well. But yeah, um Saguaro Canyon and even a little bit of Apache, I hate to say, I think they're gonna start getting tougher and tougher as things cool down. Uh, but yeah, I went out with Johnny the other day to film a show and, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because like when, when you watch a 30 minute fishing show on TV, it really like, it doesn't take a whole lot to get that show done as far as fish catches. Like typically if you can catch five or seven fish, that's really what you need. Now, ideally you catch more than that. So you can pick which catches you, you want to highlight, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, the more, the better. Sometimes it takes a full day to get it, to get an episode done. But uh, this time of year going and we went to Saguaro, I knew it was going to be a, a fair bit of a challenge. And we caught, I'll just say we caught just enough. We caught some good size, but we really had to work hard and uh, we caught just enough and it'll, it'll show when you watch, you know, we had a couple great fish catches that were highlights, but um, we talk about like, just the, the challenge of fishing during the transition. And, uh, you know, we caught basically most of our fish off of one spot and we had to visit that spot like four times to get it done. So that'll be out here in a couple of weeks on Valley sports. And, uh, other than that, I guess we'll start while we're already talking about that fall transition. And, uh, this time of year, we'll talk about a couple of, of cool bites that do open up this time of year. And then some keys to, fishing this time of year um and uh, rob i'll start with you dude like if you if you were dropping your boat on the water on a new on a new lake this time of year late september early october what are some of the key things that are going through your mind on how you're going to find and catch fish um new lake as in just a lake i hadn't been on in a while yeah 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 okay um i think my first thing i'm going to do is try to make a top water work um, I'm going to make sure that I'm there first thing in the morning, make, make that a, a point. Um, cause you can learn a lot, um, that first little bit. And I mean, one thing about this time of year, you can extend that bite throughout the day. <clears throat> Your morning's yeah. going to be the hottest time generally, but, um, I've, I've fished a lot of tournaments this time of year where you just grind out the top water, throw it all day and, you get a bite every couple hours, but it's the right size. So that, that would be the first thing I would do. Um, deep bite. You can do well on a deep bite, extremely deep bite. Let, let's talk about Roosevelt. For example, I think they either go extremely shallow or extremely deep there. 
in the fall. Um, that extreme deep bite though can be great, but it's kind of scary. Like it, you can miss it so easily. Um, but I'll definitely look for it at some point throughout the day. That's cool. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's one that'll continually get better. You mm-hmm. know, that the, the deep stuff will, but it, and, and it makes sense. Like, and it might depend on the day, right? Like I'm totally with you hundred percent. I'm looking for topwater fish on almost any lake right now. That's I'd say October. If I had two months, if you said, Hey, give me the best two topwater months, October and May. Yep. Maybe April. Yeah. And two, uh, two completely different types of bites. So, right. It is from May to October. May is more of a, um, early morning shad spawn, post spawn feed up, like, all in a short, shorter period of time, in my opinion, to a certain yep. degree. And then the the fall bite is a, maybe a little more spread out. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, both, both great months to do it and kind of months that you can do it all day long, you know, and I, I'd say the biggest thing is if you're going to start doing this right now, again, we're on the front edge of it, right? I did a YouTube, I, I went out and filmed a YouTube video the other day. I just posted it this morning uh, about exactly this. And, um, the biggest key for me and and something that I reiterated on there was like, turn that trolling motor up and start covering a lot of water because you first off have to kind of establish, have the fish made it back into the shallows yet? You know, are they in the backs of the bays? Are they still on the outsides? Are they halfway back? But, um, they're just not everywhere yet. Like they're just showing up. So like my experience, uh, on the water the other day was, we fished probably, I don't know, maybe 10 bays, a couple outside banks, uh, a couple steeper, you know, pockets or coves. And we really had success in three, probably three of the 10 bays. And we caught multiple fish in each of those bays. Like if you got into one and you caught one, odds are you're getting a handful of blowups in that same area. Um, and that's just how it was for us. Now, there's plenty of times, too. Um, especially I think once things get more settled in, like you're talking about where you just got that trolling motor on high, you're covering water and you get a blow up every hour, um, or whatever, maybe even longer, um, hopefully more frequently than that, but, um, you got to cover water. You can't, um, you know, you can't sit in one spot this time of year, especially if you're not catching fish. Now, um, if you do find an area where you do catch fish, I, I love to visit it more than once a day, right? Like, you do go through a bay in the morning and catch a couple of fish. There's nothing wrong with coming back there in the afternoon um, because you can't catch them all. These fish are, they're in a, a, a mode where they're moving and chasing. So there's a, almost a limitless amount of fish when they're in that situation. It's not like you talked about how it's different from like post-spawn. Let's take post-spawn, for example. You've got a fish, a big fish that, made its bed, protected its bed, guarded its fry. And then now it's sitting on the edge of a tree waiting to eat a bluegill, you know, cause the bluegill are spawning and stuff like that. Someone comes through there and catches that fish off that tree. It's burnt. Like that fish was living, basically living there. It was renting an <laughs> apartment there, a short term lease. Right. <laughs> and, uh, Someone came in and barged in and 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 jacked everything up, right? And, and and now that fish is toast. Well, this time of year, you've got the fish are a little bit more grouped up, and they're there to feed. They're they're chasing shad around, and they're not taking up residency in one tree. 
um, they're moving around. They're they're in this tree until the shad move to the next tree, and then the you know they're in that tree until they move to the next tree. Um, so they're constantly moving around, and uh, I have no problem fishing a spot multiple times or fishing behind someone this time of year. Do you guys have you guys kind of seen that scenario? Does that make sense? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, you know, we're quick to say top water, um, and I'll throw like a walking bait or a buzz bait, but there's days when those same fish are in the same location and you can't catch them on a topwater bait. So I'll throw a, a, a chatterbait, spinnerbait, or a square bill. Um, do you agree with that too? That's a great call. Yeah. You get a high pressure day or for whatever reason, they're just not committing. Like it was borderline the other day when I was out there and I know Nick, you've been, we've, we've, you know, fished this pattern a bunch of times together in the past too. And um, I was like probably 50 per- 50 or 60% of the blowups I was catching and missing about half. And uh, again, I was trying to force that buzz bait for the purpose of the video. But if, if it was, if I was smart or a tournament situation or something, I'm probably mixing something else in, you know, it was, it was calm. So uh, all three of those things that you talked about, maybe even add in a soft jerk bait or a small swim bait or something like that. But um, you got to cover water, a swim jig, you know, but the three you mentioned are, are like the top of the list, a spinner bait, a, a square bill or a uh, vibrating jig. Um, but yeah, you know, those are the same fish. It's just whatever tool you need to catch them um, might, might change. And shad is kind of, that's the name of the game. One really unique thing that happens out West is once that sun starts to get up, they start to eat dragonflies too. And uh, it's a, it's a unique deal because like you're typically not going to catch a bunch of giant bass that are doing backflips over dragonflies. Like, you know, I've never seen a 10 pounder come up and eat a dragonfly. And I've seen a lot of two pounders come up and eat dragonflies. (laughs) You still have big fish up there that are maybe there to eat shad or bluegill and stuff like that. But I definitely find that the bite's hot early. And then you oftentimes hit a little bit of a lull. And then once that sun comes up and things warm up around 10 a.m., you get a lot of dragonflies buzzing around and uh, the activity level can heat back up. And I think a lot of the uh, Southwestern listeners have seen this before. And it always, the the people back East are like, what? <laughs> dragonflies? You know, it doesn't happen everywhere, but you need a, a few things to happen for this bite to really pop off. You obviously need it to be cool enough for the fish to have pushed back into the shallows. And I'm talking shallow, shallow, the backs of the pockets. Um, but it also has to still be warm enough for the dragonflies to be active. So like, it's kind of a short window of like October is really the time where the fish have gotten back there, but the dragonflies are active. And um, you do like the mid morning all the way through the afternoon, you see this. And um, sometimes, you know, you'll see a single fish eat a dragonfly and you can turn that trolling motor on high and go catch it. Do you remember that one specific catch of Bartlett, Nick, we were fishing a tournament and uh, yeah, Nick had just caught a big one on a uh, swim bait and we were sitting on four fish and uh, we saw one pop in like the next pocket over. We went all the way back around cause we were so <laughs> desperate and uh, we caught that sucker on a buzz bait. I can picture it yeah. still. I still have the second place trophy on my office wall. So, you know, Anytime I just need an Uncle Rico glory moment, I just go over there and caress that small little second place trophy. And uh, <laughs> instantly, instantly, I remember my place in this universe of greatness. That's right. 
That's cool. Yeah. We were almost <laughs> king of the castle that day, but first um, loser, bro. Mm-hmm. But the dragonfly bite's cool. And uh, you know, I, a buzzbait's probably the best way to imitate that thing. You know, when they're eating that, they just seem to really eat a buzzbait really well. I like to throw a buzzbait nowadays with a toad a lot on the back of it. You know, you get better castability. You can cast it further. You can cast it more accurately. But this is one time where I keep a skirt, a generic skirt on it. And a lot of times I try to throw like a scale pattern skirt, somewhat match it to the color of the uh, dragonflies because uh, it looks like a dragonfly. But... um Pretty fun. Trying to see what other notes I have written down. Uh, cover cover extra water. Um, yeah, if you find some bait, if you find some bass, don't be afraid to to make another lap through there. Am I missing anything for this transitional bite, guys? Not really. I think you covered it pretty well. It's um, like you said, it's a small window, but it's fun to fun to do. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've been we've gotten a, a little bit of feedback to talk a little more fishing. So I wanted to get an actual fishing topic into this thing uh, on the first half of the episode. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's get back to the BS. Um, I've got one real quick, Josh. Yeah, please. Have you seen the Kyle Welcher video? Well, it looks like you starred in it. Have you seen the one that oh, Jesse Parks pulled? Oh, yeah, Jesse t- tagged me in this. There's some so guy that fun. has the same beard as I I do. It, That's so yeah. funny. It's pretty it's pretty humorous. And they're <laughs> like, dude, you watch the whole video and you just die laughing because it's complete BS. And <laughs> at the end, he's like, yeah, we're terrible actors, which he's right. They're terrible actors, but it's pretty funny, dude. It's a, just, good, it's a good video. I'll check well, it out. It's dude. funny because he's got one of his buddies, which looks like you, and he's standing on the ramp using a push button <laughs> reel. <laughs> And then he challenges him to letting that guy run his tour boat while he takes his little aluminum boat out and kicks his butt. So without it, it's pretty funny. Nice. But, right. On. Nice. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty, uh, Kyle's obviously a great fisherman and he's a, yeah. a pretty, uh, clever dude. So I'm, I'm looking Very forward clever. to seeing yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Right on. That's good. Um, yeah, I guess real quick, we'll run through the U S open predictions before we get into the other stuff too, while we're talking fishing, that's coming right up here in about two weeks, assuming we don't get shut down by the government, man. Uh, You know, we'll see about that. But the last time the government shut down in 2018, we still actually had access to most of our fisheries. So, I mean, really, there's no way to predict what's going to happen. I don't know. And I am, I hate to admit it because it's so out of my control. Obviously, there's nothing that can be said or done to change what's going to happen but I can't help but just be reading the news and stuff this week. And it's, it's, it's really bothering me because I'm looking forward to the tournament so much. And uh, there's part of me that's worried that it's not going to happen. But assuming the tournament does go on, I think it's going to be a, uh, a a little bit different than last year. You know, that looks, sounds like they've got about 200 votes again, signed up just under that. So we'll see if they get to 200, um, but I was up there last week and the water's already basically in the mid seventies. So I think we're a little bit ahead on the fall schedule of what's happening. And to add to that, they pull this time of year, they start pulling water out of there. And, uh, you know, just with the moving water, having a little extra current, um, having some cool nights, we've got highs in the eighties coming up. I think it's going to, it's really going to fire up that fall bite a little bit earlier this year. I'm sure some guys are still going to catch some deep fish, but I think it's going to open up an opportunity for guys to catch uh, fish on reaction baits a lot more, which would be, it'd be nice to have some variety up there. For um, sure. 
Yeah, as far as is like what it's going to take weight wise and stuff, I would imagine it'll be probably pretty similar. Um, have you had a chance to get out there, Rob, in the past? Like even way I back haven't. in the day? No, I keep saying I'm going to go, and I just have not made it over there yet. Uh, I kept trying to get there this spring, and it just the spring kept staying cold and just never made it. So yeah, it's it's but, not that far from Phoenix. It's just it's hard to it's, just, it's hard to it's hard to go, man, without a really good excuse, right? Like, it's still four hours, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a couple day commitment for sure, and I just haven't haven't done it yet. But um, it'll be interesting to see how that tournament goes, and hopefully, it goes off without a hitch with the shutdown or the wind. And I mean, man, that what? it's just scary what could happen. Um, it'd be pretty hard on one bass if that thing got canceled. I know, man. Yeah. I told Alex the other day, you know, right now it's the U S open. It could potentially be the U S closed if it, yeah, uh, doesn't work out. And so and let me ask you guys this just again, uh, we, we don't know. We don't know anything, especially government related and high level related, but like, does that affect the permit? So like they've got a permit to hold this tournament through the, national park i guess so then if the national park closes permit wise what's what's your guess on where they stand yeah, they're gonna stand whatever's it's gonna be uh, i don't know last time they had the shutdown when saguaro lake at the gates closed uh there was more forest employees there then than there ever is any other time <laughs> it's the craziest thing ever dude but they'll do the same thing over there and they'll like the lady that shuts you down from the wind i mean she'll be like oh, i'm not working so i can't you can't go i mean i don't know I'm, yeah i i hate to say that i was hoping for terrible. some positivity but that's the truth like it it is unfortunately the truth yeah but yeah, look at me the, mr negative today well <laughs> they're gonna keep you guys are like, what do you mean just today? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, see, I've been your sure. friend for 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to keep the gates open and the ramp's going to be open. It's just, you know, what uh, what are they, what are you allowed to get away with and what aren't you? So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see a magical resolution. Dude, Billy's got to have some sleepless nights, unfortunately. I mm -hmm. feel bad for him because it's, I mean, what tournament did they cancel earlier this year due to wind? It was the, it was it a hobby? Yeah. And it's just like, you got to get those tournaments in. I mean, they don't have them every week. It's, they've got a few a year and, and um, guys are going to get very intolerant of going over there and practicing for a week and then not being able to fish. Yeah. So. I mean, you've got every single fisherman that is feeling that. And yeah. then on top of that, there's a lot of money involved with the tournament, like the local. It's just it sucks, man, because the local economy takes a monster hit if that tournament doesn't happen. You know, yep. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, are, are not going to be spent. Maybe a million pockets. dollars, dude, in the local economy is not going to get pumped in if they don't have that tournament. So that it's dude, they're they're hurting themselves if they don't let you do it, but. Again, that's very common in, in our world today. I mean, what do you think about this, Nick? Oh, man, a lot of thoughts come to mind. Obviously, one of them that's hard that I can be empathetic to the the fishermen, the competitors, is how incredibly expensive gas is right now, right? So if you're going to spend the, the time and resources to go over there and pre-fish it, you know, and I it just it compounds the stress of that 
you know, shut down yeah. scenario so much. I mean, I, I think gas is over $5 a gallon uh, at the circle K in my corner. If it's not, it's right there for 87, you know? Terrible. So I, it's, that's brutal, man. But it's just frustrating the ineptitude of our leadership, right? You know, we're just in this gridlock, right? So it's like, whether it's affecting, you know, something that's near and dear to our hearts, like being able to access our own public bodies of water, which is in itself ridiculous, all the way on up to other parts of life, it affects it's just, you know, what are you going to do? You can either like get real intense and make some signs and go down to your local, you know, government outpost and fly the yellow flag and say, don't tread on me and see where that gets you. Or you just, you know, roll along with it. But for one bass's sake and all the people who have invested time and effort into it, I'm praying that it just goes off and, uh, it's a great tournament. What, uh, What's a great bag there? 25, 23, is that too high? 20, 20, really. I mean, last year, I think there was only maybe five or six 20 pound bags through, through the, um, entire thing, you know, there were some others that were close, but yeah, that's the, that's the goal. If you can go out there on any day and and produce 20 pounds, because it took an average of 20 to win, but like, that's what you, you set out looking for 20, uh, when you launched the boat for sure. And it's a good mix of smallmouth and largemouth, right? Do you foresee that continuing this year too? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I think if the water stayed high, you'd see even more largemouth. But uh-huh. uh, there, there are a lot of them in there, um, and they do have they have a, a fall drawdown every year. They bring the water down about six to eight feet. And I love uh, that Colorado River Agreement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what that is. So um, it does take some of the largemouth and displace them from their normal homes. Um, so the guys that are able to relocate those fish, uh, there are some giant largemouth in there, but, um, yeah, if you went there like flipping and throwing a frog <laughs> right now and expect to go do that again, you're, you're not going to be, be sad. disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, but they're in there and there's a big mix. I would say there was probably more smallmouth weight in than largemouth last year. Kind of like but, a 70, 30 or a 60, 40 kind of thing. I would say so- something like that probably. And that changes mm-hmm. depending on the time of year and stuff, but it's a cool lake, man. It's, it's a very cool lake. It's got, it's very unique. The water's crystal clear. Um, it's like most Colorado river lakes where there's not a lot of fish, like, like it's a cool lake and it's awesome, but you don't have schools of hundreds of fish swimming around like the fish per mile there. If you took it (laughs) compared to like a Roosevelt Lake, way, way less, way less. Um, and you, you know, the, the big fear is, um, burning up your fish. Like, dude, it's unfortunately, I hate to say it, but there's going to be a lot of guys, that are going to go out and do what was successful for others last year in practice and just burn it up in practice. <laughs> and it's toast. I mean, and I use this analogy already. I think I've already uh, used it with Rob, but like take, take an obvious spot, take an obvious point, main lake point that everyone's going to drive by and fish. It, that's a great spot, right? Practice starts uh-huh. and there's five fish sitting up on that thing ready to bite. Well, you got 200 boats. Let's just say <laughs> out of those 200, they all practice between three to seven days. And let's uh-huh. just say every other boat hits that obvious spot because, hey, that's an <laughs> obvious spot. Let me just run in there and hit that. So that's 100 boats that have cast on this spot in a one-week period before the tournament starts. They're you ready. five fish there. They're done. They're caught. They're gone. Uh, the tournament day starts, yeah, fresh, first morning of the tournament. Let's get out there and uh, hit that main lake point that we caught our fish on in practice. 
caught a fish on in practice. Well, 99 other guys hit it already. And they're <laughs> not there anymore. So um, it's just something that you have to keep in mind uh, going into practice that the place is going to get pounded. Um, yeah. And, and I, I jokingly, now this isn't going to happen, um, but I jokingly was thinking, man, yeah, maybe the shutdown will last until about two days before the tournament, and then they'll open it up. The fish won't be beat up. But That'd be the yeah. best thing ever. Dude, perfect <laughs> world scenario. Yeah. It would, but in, in the real world, the odds of that happening are low. And then, dude, I mean, is is everyone still going to be hanging on, ready to go on a that's, green light if it gets that close? Probably not. That's yeah. the problem. Guys are going to start dropping like flies. I mean, you get – don't a lot of guys do like VRBOs? Yeah. And like it, you're stuck with that, right? You're not getting a you, refund or – You are. Yep. Yeah. So I just, yeah, there's a lot riding on Then it's just an opportunity for a family vacation into a very random and unpopular corner of uh, Western Arizona. (laughs) You may say, Hey, honey, pile up the kids in the van. Let's go, you know, explore the pebble uh, deserts of Western Arizona. And, uh, you know, Joshua Tree Forest is a far from there. You might have a spiritual experience too, dude. I mean, like, you got to redeem that VR no matter what. There's stuff to do. I mean, it's Laughlin, dude. So like there's stuff for people to do, you know, there's stuff, there's stuff. There there. you go. I I would bet you might see that. You definitely could see, God forbid, we don't, it doesn't happen. You could see that, but I don't know, man, I'm trying to hold out positivity. Uh, There's a lot of things that could happen in order to make it go uh, off without a hitch, but um, it's, there's a whole, it's always something, dude. There's always something. And you're right about poor Billy. He's got – it's hard to hold tournaments out west, man. There's a lot more, you know, red tape than certain places. And uh, we've got these awesome fisheries, but God, you got to be committed and uh, really want to make it happen because, like, it, it There's something to be tougher. said about anything in life, but this this application is in the bass fishing world and the competitive bass fishing world. But being a facilitator is such a thankless job, dude. You take on oh, so yeah. much risk. Right. Like you take on, you got to pull permits. You got to, you know, there's so much financing. I'm sure that goes on behind the scenes agreements with sponsors, all that stuff. Right. And then ultimately you're subject to conditions of mother nature, which is like obviously a huge if, right. And then you throw in ineptitude of leadership that affects your access to public water, which is like another outrageous if it's like, man, what a thankless job. So this isn't one that you think about. There's folks like him. Right. It's unfortunate because because we could get to a point where they don't even want to schedule tournaments on the Colorado River, which would be horrible because, I mean, right now that's our spot. Right. Mm -hmm. That's all we got out here. It's all we have in this in the southwest. I mean, you have to draw our region in. Right. I mean, because like what percentage of folks fishing that are, you know, California, Nevada, Arizona. I mean, it's like that's our western core constituency. Yes. you know yeah right. it would be it would be absolutely horrible but there's going to be a point where he's going to get tired of dealing with the stress of of wind and obviously the government issue is not going to be very hopefully it won't be a com- common situation but yeah that molotov cocktail through the window of the white house that's coming at one point in our lifetimes is uh really going to bode well for the future of competitive bass fishing uh, I'm, I'm confident that in the new era, we'll be able to uh, fish, you know, with great relaxation, knowing that uh, we have full access. So just got to hold out for it. Yeah, there you go. Very complicated stuff. Very complicated stuff. And the mother nature, that's like, that's, 
that's one that's, thing that you can't predict, and that's usually what jacks it up. It's, it's like kicker. a concert, dude. Like it's like having a big concert or uh, whatever set up, and all these people buy tickets, and then it just pours rain, dude. Like it, that's it, where it, I was going with the life, whole man. facilitator yeah, comment, dude. Exactly. Like you can find that anywhere, right? So much risk, so much you know planning, so much emphasis on you know trying to pull something off that's great, and then in the end, so much uncertainty. Like it's a rare breed of individual that's willing to you know, subject themselves to that type of torture. <laughs> You're right. You're right. That's what it is, man. It's it's very <laughs> challenging. Um, okay. Uh, last topic before we get into the trivia, Rob's the trivia master tonight. Um, I was just reading on Best on Tour, and, and Rob, you brought this up. Um, they are doing auctions right now for the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, right? Oh, yes. And, you know, they've got random items, you know, in the past I've donated um, jerseys, tackle packs, stuff like that. But a lot of guys uh, give up, give fishing trips away. And uh, Ben Milliken from uh, Milliken Fishing on YouTube, his fishing trip right now is going for 15.5 K for one (laughs) day. It's insane. I want to ask who is who. That's really it's it's amazing and cool and shows the uh the reach that someone like that has. So like that's very cool. My question is who has 15 grand for a day on the water, man? Who is that? Who's buying that? Who's spending that money? I didn't watch the progression either. There's got to be people that many people that push that thing up, right? Someone you just... would think. You would have to think. I mean, you'd be an so, idiot if it was at 3 grand to, to throw down 15 grand, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, dude, when I first heard of him and watched a little bit i was kind of turned off but the dude the dude is legit and it's actually kind of fun to watch if you can get past his um confidence in the beginning you think it's arrogance but the guy's just confident like and it he's actually kind of fun to watch um and i i kind of like his screw it type mentality but nice yeah i like it Do, do you know who he is nick uh, no, but I'm just envisioning, give me, I'm thinking this is an investment on the juice. This has to be the juiciest juice that one could invest in as a, you know, perennial fisherman who just pays to fish behind a guide and then take awesome pictures for Instagram three times a year. Like I'm already thinking in my head, I better put a bid in at like 17, five. Cause this opportunity, the window is closing on this opportunity. So put yourself, you in should issues. do that. <laughs> Yeah, Nick. Nick is the one that actually needs. Let's to go, Nick. Dude, imagine. Yeah, I didn't want to spoil it. Imagine, you know, being the guy that is taking someone fishing for fifteen grand. <laughs> no pressure. Talk about pressure. Zero expectations. You know, you just show up on the dock that morning. You know, with a in sandals, with like a gas station and cup of coffee. Like, what's up, man? Is this the right dock? Is this the spot? Like, you know, zero expectations. Mm-hmm. You better be providing a good lunch. I'll tell you that, dude. And that's where, you know, I could see someone dropping 15K to fish with Rob because, you know, the the first course is usually bagels, cream cheese, chive, and smoked salmon that Rob noodled out of some British Columbian stream. And then what's your second course these days? Is this like an elk tenderloin backstrap that's lightly seared and it has a coffee rub on it, you know? Not even close, but... oh. Mm, closer than most i think i think but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah you're playing it humble there i know your your go-to on these non-fish catching lakes is a, a nice lunch <laughs> what's great though is millican will just take that like a regular day dude the the guy is he's pretty impressive really That's is cool <laughs> and, and yeah i mean this whole situation is impressive so props to yeah. him for 
building up uh, something that is bigger than anything grand. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah, it's, the you guy know, can so- post, the guy can post a video and have, you know, uh, I'm just guessing 50,000 views in a day. I mean, it's insane. His, his polling power. So That's here's cool. a, Props a to him. chance to spend some positivity into our negative Nancy gear grinding podcast is that it's so cool that like, obviously it's for a cause. So for one, like, it's great to see the support show up for something like that. And then two, it's also just cool. Like when, again, I mean, it's for a cause. So you probably get some people who participate in an auction like that or a contest that are doing it just because they know their money is going to a good cause. That's usually a pretty good reflection. I feel like whenever something's auctioned off, that's a pretty good reflection of what kind of demand is out there. Right? Like anyone can ask a high price and see what they get, but when you actually have like a window of time where people are submitting things, that's it's a different, you know, snippet snapshot into something like that. So good to see our community of bass fishermen showing up for a cause and uh props to that guy. I'll have to check him out. I, I live under a rock, so I Josh, I know did next you to nothing? Did you see what Hackney was offering up? Yeah, he had a, a what a Yeti hunt or something, dude. Yeah, Sasquatch hunt. <laughs> nice. Oh, going dude. to like eight hundred bucks or something crazy, <laughs> maybe a thousand dollars or something. So that's just an opportunity to, be to go hang out with him, and that would be fun, dude. Go Hilarious. ride an ATV and and drink some beer. Yeah, that'd be that'd be totally cool. And whoever fishes with uh, Milliken is going to learn a lot, right? Like it's he's got his big thing is, um, you know, he's obviously a good fisherman all the way around, but where he excels is big baits and using forward facing sonar. So like, I mean, he is an opportunity for some cool visuals. Absolutely. Yeah. No matter, no matter what, that's going to be a a cool trip. And um, there's a lot of other good stuff up for auction, but that's the highlight for sure. I mean, just, you just don't hear about that. That's, that's, that's a first man. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a fishing trip, bass fishing trip auction for 15 grand. Well, how much did that baseball player pay you, Josh? It had to have been North of 12, five. Mm, yeah not quite not quite ah uh, come on dude your your prices are still pre-pandemic level bro join us <laughs> um okay so last thing would be our trivia with rob dude Ooh. we're warmed up we're an hour into the episode do you have it queued up dude yeah i'm dying right here i'm choking i just came off a of mute so uh <laughs> the question is in 1967 ray scott conducts the first modern day tournament called the all American bass tournament on which lake. Okay. So are we going to, oh, we got a text. Dang it, dude. Dang. That's all right. We're still good. Yeah. So I haven't submitted mine. All right. So Josh, you're going to stick to that one. Yeah. With that level of confidence coming off the cuff, I think you're probably wrong. Um, because you didn't think about it long enough to second guess your gut, which your gut is never right in test taking scenarios. I mean, though, an army of scientists would tell you that you're taking the test wrong. You always second guess yourself and you go with the second thing that comes up in your mind. So with that being the foundation for me to be right and you to be wrong. Dude, that's a long answer, Nick. He's saving it though, because I almost (laughs) just totally blew our whole deal. You didn't blow it. Let's go ahead and text your answers. Uh, okay. Well, Rob, you know how to open texts? <laughs> I am I just learned yesterday. Okay, cool. Yeah. You're like my dad. I got him streaming YouTube TV and finally off of cable. And it's uh, nice. there's been some moments of heartburn. Okay, let's find Rob's text thread here. 
You can just do Bull it on our, Shoals. On our group. Well, I don't right? want Josh to see my answer. Gotcha. Good point. Bull Shoals. What is this rookie hour? Bull Shoals wasn't even. There wasn't even a dam in Bull Shoals in 1967. That came much later. I'm thinking like that was like late 90s mm-hmm. when they made that reservoir. Okay, let's go with. Uh, hmm. The computer freeze. It's it's not frozen, folks. He's just thinking and typing. Yes. And this is almost out of a joke because now that I've been so sarcastic and deprecating on Josh, I'm a little afraid that he's right. You guys are good with your answers. We're locked in. Nick's going to be right. That's going to be great. Yeah, because I Googled it. That's why I was filibustering so long. I Googled it. So Nick came with with, uh, Table Rock and Josh was (laughs) Bull Shoals. You guys are in the right region. Oh, my gosh. Beaver Lake, Arkansas. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I knew it was going to be Arkansas, but I mean, that's not saying anything. That's like, do you guys country is from. any idea what the entry fee was? A pack of Redmond cigarettes? No. I'm going to guess a so, uh, hundred bucks. Yeah. hundred dollar entry fee. Oh. First place was uh $2,000 cash and a trip, a trip to Acapulco. So. Whoa. Acapulco. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Crazy dude. Yeah. Who dude. won? Uh, Rob Vanderkoy. Of course, you would ask that. I knew who. Um, gosh, it was Phil it. Vanderkoy. Yeah, Rob's uncle. Yeah, yeah. No, no worries, man. Yeah. That's cool. Sorry. Acapulco. You know that was that mysterious like beach vacation of the seventies. What year was that? You say nineteen sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. Yep. There was there was a scene down there, man. That was like where the Mexico in the sixties was a a place to be. So I bet whoever took two thousand dollars cash. Went down there and uh, they had themselves a fiesta down in Acapulco. I wonder how you even got there. You probably took a direct flight into Acapulco International Airport. From there on, it was it was uh, seventy two hours of drunken craziness. If I had to guess, how do we move forward without uh, without a clear winner there? There's, we got two options here. One, we popularity in the, the eyes of the listeners. <laughs> the, the listeners. Josh wins okay, them. we got three options. <laughs> we got three options then we have that we could see which lake is closer to bull uh to uh beaver lake there you go whichever like one's that. closer is the winner like that. do we need to, to look yeah, right google now? that all right you know i don't know if i'm gonna i'm gonna say table rocks probably closer to beaver lake than bull shoals but i could be wrong and rob i can't believe you just out of the gate assume that josh is the more popular host on this podcast bro i mean like that's that's an incredible level of confidence. I think that's the next poll. I think if it's take. you and I, Nick, we have like four yeah. listeners. And if it's Josh, we have. Not true, guys. man. My dad listens to this. My neighbor listens to this. Josh, what'd you find out? Nick is Nick is the winner. So yeah, oh. the chain. And I should know this, but because uh, I fished bull and Table Rock a bunch of times. But um, Table Rock is the top. Then I'm sorry. Uh, bull Shoals is on top. Then Table Rock. Then Beaver on down so uh no i don't think so is it yeah i'm looking at it dude table rock is right next to beaver bull is further yeah east. but okay but you say above well i don't yeah, bull shoals is down river from table yeah rock. my bad yeah 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 upstream I say away yeah okay yeah, so okay. but it's um, directly north of beaver table it's, rock it's is east of it yeah east of it Josh is probably on Wikipedia, like in that Michael Scott episode of The Office, when he's learning how to speak with confidence and reading it off of Wikipedia and doing everything backwards. 
Uh, yeah, I'm way too much like Michael Scott for sure. But it's hey, a compliment. Uh, all right, so I'm back on trivia. Nick is two for two, the trivia king. <laughs> Didn't get it uh, right, you know what, but he was writing up everybody. What can I say? I wake up in the morning and I piss excellence. You know, I just yeah. I hop on this podcast and I just you know let it shine. I might do a non-fishing trivia next week. I might hit you guys with something totally random. If you want to remain competitive at all, at least just keep it fishing because I'm the least fishingist, you know, fishing host there is. So if you and go outside of that, dude. We're going to do about real estate and then Rob's going to win. <laughs> and you're going to get embarrassed. <laughs> uh, my license is almost expired because I didn't do my continuing education. So it'd probably nice. have me on that. Right what on. if there was continuing education for uh, professional fishermen? That's what you there need, is. Josh. You need to go back into the class. Okay, yeah, but let's let's every finish day. on that, Rob. What? Every single yeah. day is continuing education. No, because that's actually like real education. In the real estate world, continuing education, maybe I'm going to get, you know, three people that are going to be mad about this, but that's the most frustrating thing of all is you have to like go into a classroom or now everything's online, which is kind of a bittersweet. Uh, and you learn about things that like, I guess in like a vacuum, 10% of the time would keep you out of, you know, court or prison. But it's like, dude, like if you're actively in the trenches, then, you know, it's like, that'd be like telling Josh that now after having 27,000 hours in the, you know, the front, the bow of his boat fishing, he's going to a classroom and uh, re-examine how the clinch knot would apply to, you know, cinching a size 22 hook on for that time when you want to floaty fly fish, you know what I mean? Like some random nonsense like that. So anyways, the gear grinding is over. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. It's, it's, it's to, to, to keep your fishing license. You have to take this test. Every Wouldn't that be years. amazing? Right. And it sounds good. I don't good think it'd be in, amazing. It'd be horrible, dude. Yeah, yeah. Be, I'm glad we don't have that crap, but yeah, the oh. way things are going these days. Yeah. Get ready guys. <laughs> you better keep sharp on your test taking skills. If you want to be able to fish, in the year 2030, you're going to have to go through a series of tests. We need and, 24 uh, hours of sensitivity training on the fish that you've caught. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Rob oh, is boy. not impressed at all. <laughs> He's like, all right. Rob, you might have lived too long, bro. You might have, you might be seeing the sunset of the, the, put some dirt in it and spit on it, you know, era of mankind. Now we're in the light. The Express part, how you're, I'm grandfathered yeah. in though. So I'm good. You are an old soul. Mm -hmm. You know, that's true. You you snuck in. But now it's like express how these this hurts you on this pillow of a largemouth bass that we got at Bass Pro Shops, right? It's like, okay, you you felt triggered from this comment. Now point to the spot on this large, plushy, largemouth bass pillow, how you feel. We've all lived too long. Brutal. Well, on that note, guys, um again, sharpen up. <laughs> do your studying and um you know hopefully you all get some fishing in over the next couple of weeks do you guys have anything else before we let everyone go i need Good. someone to send in a picture of a fish that they caught um on a live dragonfly if you use a buzz bait it doesn't count so that's that's the that's the goal anyone who can produce that gets a a uh, semi-used angler's happy hour sweatshirt from two years ago we, we need a video of the catching of the of the dragonfly correct we are going to forensically clarify that it was accurately you know it wasn't caught on like a a stone fly we needed to be a dragonfly no cheating no so no. we think that's like like such a southwestern thing and how how often have you seen a painting of a bass jumping out of the water <laughs> eating a dragonfly that's common right that's interesting man that's very interesting i never thought about do you that. agree or not 
I've, I mean, I've seen it before. I don't know how right. many times, but like I can, I can visualize it for sure. If by painting yeah. you mean like a tattoo across the lower back of a girl at a bar on a Friday night, definitely. But you nice. know, I can't say that I've seen it at like you know a diner. You know, I think it's been on the cover of the cover of fishing magazines. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is more of a thing. I just so I'm always in the Southwest this time of year. I just right. you know. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I'm sure it happens, but when I bring it up to people that live like up north and back east and stuff, they're like, I mean, I've right. I've had these conversations, and they're just they keeping it on the it. down low. So I think yeah, the clear water is really critical, and they can't; those bass can't have a lot of options. Like, hey, man, if you're in a super super <laughs> fertile lake, they're gonna find something better to eat than a dragonfly. But when you get on the Lake Mead, or you know, some of our western lakes. Do, aren't as fertile as others so those fish are a little more desperate man well let's hear it from one of our listeners that lives somewhere else that's experienced that same bite and be interesting yep they will qualify for the two-year-old gently used english happy hour sweatshirt there we go all right guys yeah send uh send those responses away if you're on instagram to our anglers happy hour page um or you can hit us up individually but um anyways uh, appreciate you guys tuning in Thank you guys for jumping on as always, and we'll be back at you in a couple weeks. See y'all later.